You're no Taylor Swift, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show whose anaconda don't want none unless you've got buns, hun. You know I do. It's a show where we do deep dives into your favorite songs, history, cultural significance, secret, amazing, fun stories behind some of your favorite music and musicians. I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me, as always, this and every week is... It's me, Lindsay Tucker. Hello. Hello. How how has your week been, Lindsay? Wow. My week has been intense. (laughs) I bought this Airbnb and my listing got off the ground and I have my first booking. They're checking in tomorrow. And so it's been like a mad dash. like To get finished. Every single little thing that you didn't know you didn't know. Sure. Like you have to have a, like a little sign that tells them where the fire extinguisher is. and Oh, wow. So many little tiny details. Yeah, I would never have thought of that. By the time they're uh, clearly listening to this episode, uh, they will already be checked in. So we don't have to worry about them knowing <laughs> that you just got the, the sign put in. But also it made me think like I don't remember being in an Airbnb and not seeing one. a fire extinguisher sign. Literally not ever. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, cool. I guess I'm just a rule follower. Uh, we knew this about you. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, so what are we talking about today? My week was fine. Thank uh, you for yeah, asking. sorry, sorry, sorry. How was your week? It's great. I adopted a dog. No, we already talked about your dog. Did we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah, last time. Did we? Yeah. We said okay. his name was Chubbs. I asked if he was named after Happy Gilmore. You said no. Oh, right. We didn't do any chub chub chubawumba stuff. Do we which have is why chubsawumba stuff? I don't know. I just figured like <laughs> we did like two hours on chumbawumba and didn't. Well, whatever. It's why fine. is he named uh, Chubs? It came to Leanne in a dream. Oh yeah? yeah, her dream was your dog's name is Chubs. Literally, yes. <laughs> okay. She had a dream that she named a dog Chubs. Well, there you go. There you go. I had a um, dream that I had pink hair, and here I go. And here you are with <laughs> pink hair. Um, so tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this podcast, we are going to be talking about the early 90s rap classic crossover hit. Baby, Baby got, got back. back. Baby got back. But before right. we do that, we have a little trip to the mailbag. Lindsay's favorite segment, the mailbag. Womp, womp. For whatever reason, Lindsay does not like, I fucking love the mailbag. I love talking to you guys. So keep writing in, baby. Um, first up, I'm a purist. Have... I like NPR radio shows. There's no mailbags. <laughs> ah, whatever. <laughs> Building community here. Um, so this this one is actually pretty incredible. I, I was blown away that this happened so fast for us. But at the end of our Chumbawamba episode last week, Lindsay asked our listeners, "Has anyone discovered?" anarchy or discovered kind of leftist ideology through chumbawamba and specifically tub thumping and so we got a response yay this is is from anarcho underscore (laughs) chumbawambist great um 
And they say, just got done listening. Great up. Near the end, you mentioned after listening to The Day the Nazi Died, you'd like to hear from anyone who had got radicalized via tub thumping, which happened to me. <laughs> I stumbled on The Day the Nazi Died, ironically, after hearing tub thumping. And well, the rest is history, I guess. If you two still want to learn about Chumbawamba, I'd like to shout out Chumbology, a Chumbawamba anthology. It's a podcast series that goes through each song episode by episode. Incredible. Thanks. And if you got. If you like me, if your Chumbawamba bells started ringing during that episode, listen to this show. I I now really like their music, <laughs> knowing he, hearing a second of their songs, and uh, and so I'm I'm super into it. I'll pr- I'll start listening to this podcast. Thank you, Anarcho, Anarcho. underscore Chumbist <laughs> Chumbawambist. Really, really great screen handle as well also this is from freddie weber or is it weber i think it's weber. i think it's weber we go over we this, this every, every time. time every hey freddie is it weber or weber <laughs> it's freddie from freddie and the fabs figure it the fuck out freddie <laughs> and he wrote in and said as the podcast official unofficial english correspondent i am we guessing can make that official yeah that's official we now decree you official so as the podcast's official English correspondent, I'm guessing that Danbert No Bacon is a play on words somehow with Egbert No Bacon. Egg but no bacon. So Which is a standard a bit, English yeah. comedy, yeah, which is a standard English comedy slash silly name, smiley face. So thanks for explaining English comedy to us. Yeah, so Can we pull up like a little sketch of it? I don't know man, I, if I can find it. So, but like I've, I learned from actually from the other podcast that I do special viewing unit with friend of the show, Matt Reuter, that there's like this weird cockney, like joke formula, which is so like, it's like a rhyming game. So like, let's say if you're leaning on a leaning on a building, right? So Lindsay, in this scenario, in this co- in this highly comedic scenario, is leaning on a building, and I want to make fun of her for leaning on that building. I would pick a common phrase that rhymes with "lean," like "franks and beans," and then would use the part that doesn't rhyme. So I'd say like "quit quit franksing on that wall." What? That's like the that's like the Northern England Cockney joke formula. It's I don't very understand. weird. Well, it's because you weren't paying attention. <laughs> Because I was looking for Egbert No Bacon. How, do you, how, and yet, did it yield any results? He's the chief information security officer on LinkedIn UK, which I assume is a joke. <laughs> I'm sure it is. But it's there. Well, there you go. Um, and last, well, not lastly, uh, we also have something from Enrique Trouble. Hello, Enrique, uh, who says, I used to think I liked Ace of Base and hated Chumbawamba. I've grown a lot these past few weeks. Woohoo! That is literally the greatest compliment any listener could ever give us. Thank you so much. And from listener Jody Pazanisi, for more Chumbawamba content, listener Jody Pazanisi writes in, You forgot the banger, Mary Mary, featured in the, in the hit film Stigmata. Oh, yes, which I then listened to and realized oh, I knew all never, the words. never heard the song. Um, and she says that she listened to that song constantly for a two-year period on the Stigmata soundtrack, I suppose. Which Great. I did not have, but I did watch a lot of Stigmatas. I've never seen Stigmata. It's ridiculous. Sorry. I didn't realize it was like one of those movies that you had to 
just yeah, had it to is. watch. Like the train scene when she's like stigmatizing. Oh yeah, yeah, and then Spider Man comes in and saves everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's all the mailbag. This bit's a mailbag. As always, you can get at us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Lyrics for Lunch and for longer and weirder stuff. Shoot us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. But without further ado, on to tonight's episode. Baby got back. At that point in the show, you should just like splice in a little baby got back. Just 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 him going, baby got back. Yeah. Baby okay. got back. All right, so yes, today we're talking about the 1992 big booty anthem, Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot, Aviv. Oh, no. What is your experience with this song? I mean, okay, every bar mitzvah, prom, How many wedding. bar mitzvahs have you been to? Oh, over 50. Over 50, okay, great. Yeah, so like- I needed gro- that for context. <laughs> Yeah, growing up a little Jewish boy in Pennsylvania, I went to at least one bar mitzvah a week for a year and a half. So I would say like closer to 75. I would think you'd be a better dancer at this point. Nope, just sat in the corner and was morose. No. Was a emo, he sat in my emo feels. Of course you did. Um, yeah, so I, I know probably most of the words just through osmosis. And I and I kind of have grown to hate this song just for all of the times that I've ever heard it, you know, at every wedding and bar mitzvah and school dance and like college party where they thought that they were being ironic. Um, that is my experience with the song. I, I thought it was funny and cute the first 40 times I heard it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still sick of it. Yeah, we can talk about if it's funny or cute a little bit later, but we're going to just quick recap. Born Anthony Ray, Sir Mixalot is a Seattle-based rapper, songwriter, and producer. Now, according to CelebrityNetWorth.com, a very impressive source, he's 58 years old and has a net worth of $20 million. Oh, man. I don't know if that's accurate, but okay. Please, let's do a do a quick fact check while I continue no, no, talking. No, no, the, the celebrity net worth. I just know r- recently on the celebrity net worth website or whatever said that Zendaya was worth like $20 million and she like read it on Jimmy Fallon or something. It was like, I'm worth a hell of a lot more than that. So I, right. I don't know if it's... Uh, Everybody's worth it's, $20 million. Yeah, according to celebrity Celebritynetworth.com, yes. Yeah. So he did not reach international fame into the early 1990s, but he had already gone platinum in 1988 with his debut debut album, Swass. Swass. S-W-A-S-S? S-W-A-S-S. Yeah. Swass. Okay, great. Which he released through his own label called Nasty Mix. Okay. Now his 1989 album, Seminar, went gold. Great. And he really had a big with his 1992 album, Mac Daddy, which featured Baby Got Back. Ah, uh, yes. Baby Got Back was released on May 8th, 1992. It hit number one on Billboard Hot 100 in July, where it stayed for five weeks. The single sold 2.4 million copies in its first year, making it the second best-selling single of 1992. Do you behind want to what? guess what it was behind? Second best-selling single of 1992. I want to say number one was Madonna, but I don't know which song. Like eh. a virgin. No. Michael Jackson. Eh. No, it's kind of late for Michael Jackson. What, who was it? Whitney Houston. Oh, shit. The Bodyguard? I Will Always Love You. 
Hell yeah, brother. That's We're going to do an episode on that for sure. Yeah, we are. Another huge song that year was The End of the Road by Boys to Men, and I'm just throwing that in there. Oh, that song sounds so, that song is so good. <laughs> so yeah, the song blew up, and Mix told American songwriter that he was super confused about this <laughs> for calling the day that they went number one. Are we referring to him as Mix from now on? I might refer to him as Mix, yeah. You Amazing. might hear that. So this is Mix talking to American songwriter, recalling the day that they went number one. And they showed up at a show and a million people were packed onto a hotel balcony to watch them enter the club. So, quote, we were totally confused. Like, what are they looking at? And we walk in the club and the club owner was saying things like, ladies and gentlemen, tonight on stage, none other than the man that just went number one. I have it on tape somewhere and you can hear me saying, man, shut the fuck up. I still didn't believe it, but he kept saying, the number one song in America. So I called Rick Rubin, and he said, yeah, you just went number one today. Shit. <laughs> it ended up being the most insane show. It wasn't a stadium. I don't like stadiums. Don't get me wrong. If you're Macklemore size, you got to do stadiums. But back then, you couldn't really do stadiums because of gangster rap. The insurance was through the roof. But there were so many people packed into this club, and it was like people were stuck together, standing on top of the bar in the parking lot, and I'm telling them how to react. I will never forget that as long as I live. I've had bigger shows, but not that kind of control. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I, it's just interesting that gangster rap, of which Mix were on a middle name basis, was not a part of, gave like all of rap a bad name in terms of like insurance rates it's like that's like a weird byproduct and like clearly like there's some there's some not so coded racism in that of like well all rap music is exactly the same totally racist yeah yeah anyway um you know this wasn't long after the inception of nwa which we have another episode about if you want to hear more about that oh yeah go check that out um, so I can see how there would be, unfortunately, like a bleed out effect. Yeah, but that would never happen with a white artist, right? Of course. Like, like Bon Jovi would never be con- confused with Black Sabbath. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but this is America. Oh, love, love America. <laughs> anyway, Mix won the 1993 Grammy for Best Rap Solo Performance. And he recently told the American songwriter that he had a dream of doing a re-record of the song. No. And he let, that, said, let that dream die. Yeah. But whenever you do that to a song people think is classic, it always gets you in trouble with your fans. So he decided to leave it alone. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mix. The, I mean, we've seen examples of that like from this very show, like doing a new We Are the World or doing... What was the tw- like the 2021? What about every Taylor Swift song ever made? Yeah, but she's not, she is re-recording, but not updating, except for all too well. She might be the exception that proves the rule. It's also like they're not that old and not that classic. And he's not Taylor Swift. And he's no, you're no Taylor <laughs> Swift, sir. Mix a lot. That's the pull quote for the episode. <laughs> so okay this is not the last time we're gonna hear from taylor in this episode of uh fucking of course <laughs> all right let's listen to the song and watch the video please please what? please yes oh my 
God, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. It's she almost like as though those rap guys, we are watching this for the first set for the second time. It's almost as though there is a technical problem and we had to do this all over okay. again. I mean, oh but it's not like that because so we're professionals and that would never happen. Never especially to me. I like big gross and I cannot lie. Okay, so he's standing on a butt. He's standing on a butt. And he shows he says, sprung with a spring. With a spring. <laughs> the most bizarre thing about this music video is there aren't actually any big butts in it. Maybe. Well, tell, tell me why you don't think those butts are that big. Because they're not. They're minuscule. There is no juice there. My ass is twice the size of those. <laughs> There's no juice there. <laughs> Look it. Oh, that yeah. butt is like yeah, non-existent. It's pretty, it's pretty flat. That's a flat ass. We also like didn't value big asses at all back in the 90s like the fashion was like heroin chic or whatever yeah so i guess this is what passed for a big butt like a butt yeah they also are using apricots to represent the butts okay ted mosby it's apricot what do you mean ted mosby why does ted mosby have to do with it he calls it the renaissance fair Okay. <laughs> I call Listeners, you tell me apricot or apricot. Apricot sounds like I'm having lunch with the queen. What? Oh, Madonna reference. I won't cuss or hit you. Like, thanks mm. for letting me know. Great. Banana. <laughs> the, super on the nose. The absolute, the absolute <laughs> lowest bar that there is. <laughs> Exactly. I will not be abusive. I will not beat you up. <laughs> Even white boys do have to shout the baby got back. Trump, that is That is rear. A- accurate. The <laughs> Venus de Milo thing. Oh, females. Yeah, it's not good. Only if she's five three. So your girlfriend rolls a Honda, playing workout tapes by Fonda. But Fonda ain't got a motor in the back of her Honda. My Anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hun. You can do side bends or sit-ups, but please don't lose that butt. Some brothers wanna play that hard roll and tell you that the butt ain't gold, so they toss it and leave it. And I pull up quick to retrieve it. So Cosmo says you're fat. But well, I ain't down with that. Yeah, there is like some weird, like little glimpses of body positivity in here. <laughs> yeah. Amongst all of the misogyny. Triple X Throwdown. Triple X Throwdown. Great. I'm calling one 900 mix a lot. See what happens. Just do it on the air. I love old school rap songs where 
like there was just like a scratching solo. Of course, that shit there always rules. was. <laughs> that shit is awesome. Listeners, Matt Reuter and I used to do that on our book covers in junior high school. We used to do scratching solos. And you're like stick on book covers. Yeah, yeah. We had like the cloth ones that made that sound. Hmm. Uh, okay. Well, so we did it, Joe. I have. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. It is very wordy. There's a lot of words in this song. There's a lot of words in the song. There's a lot of objectification of women. Yeah. So like, okay. I just like, there's so much to unpack. I, so, okay. Thing one, in like pop songwriting classes or whatever, they teach you to like not be word, to like, to like have as few words as possible because it like, I don't know, makes it catchier or something. And this flies in the face of that. So that's the one. This thing was a such a huge. This thing is bigger as now than it has ever been. Huge song. So okay, the girls at the beginning, which are not in the lyrics that you sent. So let's 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 take a second to unpack that. There's like you know a lot of racism. <laughs> not to defend the Beckys, but they their dialogue is written by Mix. So he's yeah, he didn't like come in and. <laughs> okay just improv just say right. really racist shit <laughs> right so he's making a cultural critique about white girls and, and their, their racism and their judgment uh, of right. black bodies which i don't necessarily think is inaccurate correct especially for the time but the weird thing is is that like that goes completely unaddressed for the rest of the song where mix a lot it doesn't start with like First of all, you two, stop being racist. <laughs> Second of all, I do like big butts. Right. Instead, he's like, I like it. Yeah. And it's like, well, these women exist for not for the pleasure of you white guy, your, your white boyfriends, but for the pleasure of me and all of my black men friends. Right. Not it's their body. It's their choice. To ha- well, it's really. It's, it's my it's, anaconda. It's rarely, <laughs> it's rarely your choice to have a big butt or not anyway. It's God's choice. Sweet, sweet God. Sweet, sweet God blessing people with some juicy Rumps. cheeks. <laughs> the round a of the rump. A voluptuous fart box. Oh, God. So we're gonna, are we going to do lyrics? We're going to read the lyrics and then, because oh, no. I know you had some comments that you wanted yes. to unpack as we go. I want, yeah, I want to do it as we go because there's just like so, I can't like, it's, it's, it was coming too fast and furious during the song. I couldn't like couldn't keep my shit could, couldn't keep my thoughts together right um okay Sh- who wants to start should i start yeah i i'm gonna do it like a shakespearean like i'm in a scene Ooh, okay. verily mm. i like big butts and i cannot lie and you other brothers can't deny that when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face you get sprung want to pull up tough Cause you noticed that butt was stuffed deep in the jeans she's wearing. I'm hooked and I can't stop staring. Oh baby, I want to get with you. Take your picture. And my homeboy has tried to warn me, but that butt you got makes me so horny. So uh, one of the things I wanted to unpack, which like is one of the things I hate most in this song, is that me so horny sound effect. Me so horny. Yeah, so that's that's from, racist, right? It's super racist. So it's from um, it was used previously in a song by Two Live Crew called "Me So Horny," 
and that the record of that i forget what i forget what the record's called hold on uh the album is called we want some pussy oh yeah we want some pussy yeah so like whomst among us um and that in itself is a sound clip from a movie of is from full metal jacket um which is a vietnam war movie vietnam war movie from the same year so full metal jacket came out in 87 so did the two live crew song but in full metal jacket the gis go to are stationed in vietnam and they find a sex worker in the city and she says me so horny me, me love you a long time and so like that has been co-opted that that itself was like a punchline a huge like a, stereotype against asian women and women like racist sexist punchline for the next like 10 years in sitcoms and movies and whatever else so good job everyone thanks thank you for that love it as always shall we continue sure Ooh, rumpo smooth skin gross which is i, hate, I absolutely hate that a Rumpelstiltskin reference. Yeah, that must be like a Rumpelstiltskin play, right? Rumpo smooth skin. Yeah. And there's a lot of like weird sexual Rumpelstiltskin, I feel like, references. I can't think of any right now. But uh, I can, I can, I can. Go, go, go. In the movie Death to Smoochie, Robin Williams refers to a cookie shaped like a penis as Rumple Foreskin, there which you go. I think is is objectively really funny <laughs> okay so we like that one we don't like yeah, rumpo like smooth one. skin no rumpo smooth skin is really really bad and like rumpo Stiltskin was just like a creepy little man that kidnapped a woman and locked her in a tower and made her 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 prick her finger with gold with a spinning gold every day or something yeah or something sure. like that lyrics so for lunch fuck that guy fairy tale edition <laughs> Ooh, Rumpo Smooth Skin. You say you want to get in my bends? Well, use me. Use me. Because you ain't that average groupie. I've Band-Aid. seen her dancing. Right? It's Band-Aid. To the hell, to hell with romancing. She's sweat. Wet. Got it going like a turbo vet. I'm tired of magazines saying flat butts are the thing. Take the average black man and ask him that. She got a pack much back. So, fellas. Yeah. Bellas. Yeah. Has your girlfriend got the butt? Hell yeah. Tell him to shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Shake that healthy butt. See, I like that it's healthy. You know, <laughs> it's just about health. He doesn't want women starving themselves. Right, right. But he's telling them what to do with their bodies, aka shake it for his own pleasure. Dance for T- me, monkey. Yeah, yeah. Dance for me shake it like a polar tell him to shake it has your girlfriend got the butt tell him to shake it so he's telling his his fellas (laughs) and his fellas are like i know honey i know sir mix a lot told me to tell you to shake it it. there's nothing i can do my hands are tied (laughs) i like them round and big when i'm throwing a gig i can't i just can't help myself i'm acting like an animal now here's my scandal i want to get you home and ugh. Double up. Ugh. Ugh. Like, does that mean he's like a two pump and done kind of guy? Well, three pump, right? Uh, he's going to uh and uh, double up. Uh, uh, uh Oh, and yeah. Then, three pumps. Over. Yeah, yeah. It's good enough for a gas station. It's good enough for me. <laughs> I ain't talking about Playboy because silicone parts are made for toys. I want them real thick and juicy. So find that juicy double. Mix lots in trouble. Begging for a piece of that bubble. 
So I'm looking at rock videos, knock-kneed bimbos walking like hoes. Rude. Rude. You can have them bimbos. I'll keep my women like Flo Joe. Right. Okay. So since we're unpacking stuff as we go, do you know who Flo Joe is? Yeah. She was like a, tr- she was like an Olympic runner. Correct. That's so weird. Florence Dolores Griffith Joyner, also known as Flojo, was an American track and field athlete who set world records in 1998 for both the 100 meter and the 200 meter. Just do a really quick Flojo 1992 Google search and tell me how if that's real thick and juicy to you. So the, your whole problem with the song <laughs> is that the butts represented. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, false advertising. You want your butts bigger. She's, I mean, she's healthy. She's like a, like a, like a. She's a fucking Olympic athlete. She's all muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, she's not like so like waifishly thin, you know? Like she wouldn't, at the time, she wouldn't grace the cover of a fashion magazine because she'd be considered too thin. She was on the cover of magazines. I looked into it. Yeah. Like a fashion, like fashion magazines or sports magazines? Mm, Or like a little bit of. A little little both, a little crossover. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's kind of a Serena Williams thing, and Serena Williams is a bit is a li- little bit bigger than Florence Joyner was in like '92. But like, there is this thing of I don't know. We can go into like the masculification of women athletes, and then like ultra feminizing them in the media to like overcompensate. It's like a whole fucking thing. But if you want to see some real heinous shit, just look at some of the commentary on Serena Williams's body. Like, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And people are like, she looks like a man. Oh, my God. My, I remember my own mother saying that about Simone Biles. It's incredibly <laughs> misogynistic and fucked up what we do to these women of any race. But it's a, we do it especially to black women. Yeah. It's uh, pretty pretty shitty. Um, and But, okay. But there's, like, a couple other things of this thing. So, Florence Joyner, who is an Olympic, I, like, kind of, I get that it's, like, tongue-in-cheek and he's like referencing a famous black woman with like let's say a a bigger body than kate moss or whatever but it's also reducing her in, to a sex in, object. insane accomplishments to a sex to object like, yeah but i want to put my dick in her butt right so a word to the thick soul sisters i want to get with you i won't cuss or hit you Bare minimum. Good job, man. But I gotta be straight when I say I wanna uh till the break of dawn. Break of dawn. So I won't hit you, but I like might rape you all night long. Yeah. Uh, Well, he wants. He's not. He's not saying that he's gonna do it beyond your consent, but he would like to. All right. Um, baby, got it going on. A lot of simp's won't like this song for early use of the word simp. (laughs) Cause them punks like to hit it and quit it. And I'd rather stay and play. Oh, he's a family man. Because I'm long <laughs> and I'm strong and I'm down to get the friction on. Okay. So like, don't bring the lube? Yeah, that's like, once again, like, uh, there was a TikTok that I saw of a woman being like, men who brag about how tight your girlfriend is, like, what you're saying is that you can't get them properly turned on to have sex with you. Right. So like, yeah, too much friction, not a good thing. Uh, so ladies. Yeah. Ladies. Yeah. 
if you want to roll in my Mercedes, meow, meow, <laughs> turn around and stick it out. Even white boys got to shout, baby got back. Yeah. Yeah, baby. When it comes to females, Cosmo ain't got nothing to do with my selection. Females. 36, 24, 36. Ha ha. Only if she's 5'3". <laughs> so your girlfriend rolls a Honda, playing workout tapes by Fonda, but Fonda ain't got a motor in the back of her Honda. Okay. Too what? much Honda and Fonda. I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. Uh, when The day he discovered that, he's like, I'm a genius. <laughs> My anaconda don't want none unless you've got buns, hun. You can do side bends or sit-ups, but please don't lose that butt. Again, don't fucking tell me what to do. Some, brother, some brothers want to play that hard role and tell you Wait, that the butt on, ain't gold. It's worse here than it is <laughs> earlier to me because it's like, I will allow you to do some things, but don't do this other thing. Like that to me, if, if it was, please don't lose that butt, it's like a, it's like a, 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 a request. The thing that messes me up is like the permission that he gives in the previous line. Sure. Sorry. You can do side bends and... I'll allow you to do Sit-ups. these things. Yeah. Like, make sure that top is tight, but that bottom better be junk lunk <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Look forward to Lindsay's <laughs> rap. I, where's the pussy? Uh, okay, so. Platinum rap album. That is going to be my platinum rap bar album. Some brothers want to play that hard role and tell you that the butt ain't gold, so they toss it and leave it, and I pull up quick to retrieve it. So Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that because your waist is small and your curves are kicking. And I'm thinking about sticking. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's all about how I'm going to fucking put my penis Put my in dick you. in it. Yeah. Uh, to the Beanpole Dames and the magazines, you ain't missed thing. Give me a sister. I can't resist her. Red beans and rice don't miss her. What? Some knucklehead tried to diss because his girls are on my list. He had game, but he chose to hit him, and I pull up quick to get with him. So, ladies, if the butt is round and you want a triple X throwdown, great. Dial one eight hundred mix a lot and kick them nasty thoughts. Baby got back. What are the nasty thoughts? I think. I wonder if it's like kick those over to me. Kick the nasty thoughts. Hmm. Because he's he's talking about the nasty thoughts right now. He's like, let's do a an, an adult wrestle. Ha, let's have an adult wrestling match. <laughs> I was wondering if oh, like kick those nasty thoughts my way, or if the nasty thoughts were like, I need to get skinny. Oh, maybe kick those nasty thoughts of 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 needing to fit other people's beauty standards. Okay, I buy that. This has layers. It has layers. Oh, man. This song is a real thing. Okay. I'm going to send you this. <laughs> this is literally... This is, how I, this is how the song is just coming off. She got an exquisite pussy. Well, how about my exquisite erection, huh? Eva, what do you think? You like my exquisite, exquisite erection? Hmm? Do you like my erection selection? <laughs> what do you think, Eva? Yeah, you gonna take it? You gonna take that dick? You gonna take that dick? 
I'm gonna pop off a piece of my dick. Oh yeah, I'm fixins to fuck you. Really, the whole song. I'm, fuck I'm fixins to fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get it all up in your vage. Get it up in your vage with my dick. With my dick. Gonna put it in with my dick. Put it in with my I'm dick. I'm gonna put my dick in. I'm gonna put my dick in. What's up, man? You right? It's even worse when he actually says it to her. Yeah. But like, okay, so so listeners, specifically male listeners, if you think that Sir Mix-a-Lot is spitting a lot of game, just know that women like Lindsay will associate it with <laughs> Paul Rudd going, my dick. Put it in with, with my dick. With my dick. Well, good. But... Mix-a-Lot says uh-huh. he wrote the song, uh-huh. but, but, my but, Mix-a-Lot says he wrote the song mocking the establishment's idea of a beautiful woman. Yeah, I mean, I can see that he, why he would say that. Okay, I know. We're just going to hear from him now. Okay. He told the American songwriter, in 1992, the American standard of beauty was the Spuds McKenzie girls, popsicle sticks, stop signs. That was American beauty. Stop signs. <laughs> Quick aside, do you know who Spuds McKenzie is and his so-called girls? Um, not really. I've I've heard him as like a punchline of the 80s and 90s, and I think that there's like a Futurama episode that parodies it with like the Slurm guy. But I th- so can I take a guess? Yeah, that he yeah. was like he like sold beer yeah. and wore sunglasses and had like a bunch of bikini babes around him and was like, oh, if you drink Budweiser, you can be as cool as Spuds McKenzie. You totally know who Spuds McKenzie is. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Pop culture! <laughs> he, she, they were a Bud Light mascot, a bull terrier surrounded by beautiful women oh, to sell beer. It was a dog. From a 2017 Business Insider article, Bud Light first introduced a super party animal named Spuds McKenzie during the Super Bowl in 1987, and the dog was an immediate hit. The Bull Terrier helped increase Bud Light sales by 20% between 1987 and 1998, the New York Times reported. Spuds was everywhere, on t-shirts, posters, lamps, and more. Lamps. Lamps. Sir Mix-a-Lot even drew inspiration from the ads telling the AV Club in 2003 that his iconic song, Baby Got Back, was intended to praise women who didn't look like the Spuds McKenzie girls, which he described as little skinny chicks looking like stop signs with big hair and skinny bodies. So let's look at a Spuds McKenzie commercial or two. We were bad. We're still bad, but we were really bad. Who's that? The life of the party, that's who. Dead's a super party animal. His name is Buds McKenzie. When the sun shines bright on a cold but night, he's in a party frenzy. He's Buds McKenzie, the posh pooch. Robin Leach? Spuds, go. Spuds, you're an animal. And then one more will start if you want to see one more. I do. There he is. What a happening dude. <laughs> <laughs> a super party animal. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, he's playing the drums. What a good boy. <laughs> okay. So I, the, my problem with this is that the implication is that these women just want to fuck this dog. Oh, totally. Isn't that interesting? So that's weird. Yeah. So Spud and his Spudettes, that's what the ladies oh. that wanted to fuck him were called. Not, not French fries? <laughs> you would think, right? I want some French fries right now. These, uh, yeah, Spuds and the Spudettes were so popular, they appeared on Dick Clark Live. Okay. And we're going to watch a little tiny clip of that. The, the, the person who created this ad is likely still alive, and he's just, like, living in an old folks' home being like, remember when I created that dog that the women right. wanted to fuck? One never knows when one comes out into this audience what one will find or who will... Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, sitting in our audience is one of the celebrities of all time. He is the guru of good times, the chancellor of charm, the sage of sophistication. Please welcome <laughs> everybody's favorite party animal, Spuds McKenzie! Even Dick, even Dick Hart's like, I fucking hate this. Right? And oh, that dog is doped up. Bevy of beauty, his uh, constant companions. Your name, please. Hi, Dick. I'm Leslie Ferreira. And yours? Sandy Mashmeyer. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lula Rashawn. Now, Leslie, does he really enjoy these public appearances? A man of his stature? No. Dick, Mr. McKenzie is the biggest ham cool. in the world. He loves it. Very he loves meeting lots of people. He's all. super out of it, and the really fact that they refer to him tonight. as Mr. McKenzie is really <laughs> fucked now, up. Sandy, she called him Mr. McKenzie. Doesn't he know he's a dog? Oh, he's not a dog. D-word now. The D-word is no dog. He he doesn't know? He's not a dog. He's a party animal, the number one. I hate this. I fucking hate this so much. Just just hang it. Just hang it. The party animal is yawning as we speak, Lila. Do you make any, any special travel arrangements for Mr. McKenzie? Oh, of course. Nothing but the best. He travels in his own private jet. He has limousines everywhere. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. What's, what's, with, what's with you and the boss here? He loves me. <laughs> <laughs> he's really in love. He loves, he, he loves he is, women. He's, I'm sorry. I didn't mean Stop. to distract you. <laughs> I got, there are these vicious rumors. You pick up the tabloids at the, at the supermarket checkout stands. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any truth to the fact that he is female? Oh, I, I think I have to Vicious cover his rumors. ears because he's got three women around him, and I don't think we would be following. I mean, this—he's—he's he's a full-out macho guy. Yeah, right, we're the he's only a full-on macho guy. Does he what have the doubles? Fuck? No, he does everything. Isn't that so weird? Yeah. This is so bizarre. Okay, you can stop if you want. That they—that they're like, yes, no, for sure, we want to fuck this dog. So the Spudettes, who are on the Dick Clark show right now, they're the same ones as in the first commercial we watched. Was it the same Spudettes every time? Or was it like a different set of girls? Because it looks like in the second commercial we watched, there was like a different set of girls. I believe there was um, a small roving cast of girls, but lots of recurring. Oh, fucking love. Love that I'm like alternate number three of the Spudettes. Yeah, so apart from all of this being incredibly misogynist, uh, mm-hmm. this and, and disturbing mm-hmm. in more ways than just misogyny. Oh my um, God. This is according to Mental Floss from an article called The Life, Death, and Resurrection of Spuds McKenzie, the Original Party Animal. Spuds McKenzie was, in fact, a female dog. Her real name was Honeytree Evil Eye. And, <laughs> and Jackie and Stanley Oles, the humans who owned her, called her Evie. <laughs> This was all revealed in a 1987 People magazine article that was set out to debunk rumors that the Bull Terrier had died in a limo accident or while surfing or in a plane crash. 
or while surfing. Correct. The 80s, we fucking <laughs> pre 9 11 news. Like, I can't even believe this is real. People Magazine article about a, a, a hoax dog dying. A hoax dog hoax dying. But remember when Grumpy Cat died? That was kind of a thing, right? I guess so and on like, like Grump- BuzzFeed. Or wasn't there like Grumpy Cat's name was like a slur because his name was Chard or something? Grumpy's cat name was a slur? Yes, I feel like this is real. And they like tried to lie and say that they named him after like a sweet potato or something. But <laughs> Tartar sauce. Tartar but- sauce. <laughs> But it's T-A-D-A-R, Tartar Sauce. <laughs> they literally named it Tart. Fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> so many tangents. Never meet your heroes. <laughs> right, okay. So, back to Spuds. Evie, Evil Eye. In a stunning breach of privacy, the article also published the Ols or Olay's, home address. Soon after the oh, people fuck. piece came out, Jackie... Olays was sitting with Evie on the stoop of her suburban Chicago house when a reporter confronted her unannounced. I don't talk to reporters, she said. Before hurrying inside, Olays Ols was wearing a Spuds McKenzie sweatshirt at the time. I need one of these. If oh, yeah. by chance you don't know who Spuds McKenzie is, it's probably because Budweiser retired him in 1989. Spuds sold beer, and this may be hard to believe, he was one of the most famous living things on the planet. Though he hasn't been seen in a while, he's about to make his way back into the spotlight. So yes, in honor of the 30th anniversary, Spuds made an appearance during Super Bowl 51 as a ghost, voiced by Carl as Weathers. A ghost? A ghost? No. Voiced by Carl Weathers, who is on a mission to teach the spirit of Bud Light. That is the end of my Spuds McKenzie programming. I thought that you were going to show me the Spuds McKenzie ghost thing. No, I looked at it. It was dumb. Um, but there is a law that cute animals can't be in cigarette or beer ads oh oh yeah i did read something about like, like the joe camel some certain legislatures l- legislators were like super against spuds because yeah. he was selling beer to kids and so he but the she reason, they were selling beer he to she kids. they right and so the reason that budweiser went with the, remember the budweiser frogs sure be, it's because Budweiser was legally prohibited from allowing cute animals to sell their product. And, and so they thought like, well, frogs weren't a- cute? Yeah, exactly. Frogs are cute. Well, okay, I, I think that they had to stop doing that one, too. So back to the American songwriter where Mix-a-Lot is telling the reporter that American beauty standards were defined by the by Spudettes. this fucking dog. <laughs> Popsicle sticks, stop signs. Quote. That's how it was defined. But the song bucked the system. It was tongue in cheek. And black women immediately said, it's about time. White women with curves said, it's about time. Everyone. People reduce it to being about butts, which is good because if they actually knew what it was about, it wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the play. (laughs) Anarcho-socialism. People ask me, do you regret that you're primarily known for one song? And I say, nope. So, Aviv, what do you think about this idea that the song was revolutionary for the female body image? Um, I mean, I, th- I, I will actually, th- I actually think that it kind of is. And yeah. I think that that's part of the staying power is that like women, you know, it, it's like it, you're going to you're going to get objectified in music no matter what. And so we might as well align with the objectification Whoa. of like what? 
just woe to that but yes I, I don't i don't believe that but like i mean i don't believe that it needs to be this way but like i think this is the thought process right is like well it's either she is the skinniest girl in the world and blah blah blah, or like this fun song about asses that is like it is tongue-in-cheek it's like not super even though it is misogynistic it's it doesn't take itself seriously um which i think is like the lesser of two evils when it comes to Songs that women can listen to and identify with, especially in this era. Right. And as much issue as I take with like these tiny, tight little butts being called like real thick and juicy, Mm -hmm. we have to remember in 1992, we did have the waist. We had the paper thin Christy Turlington. We had the Kate Mosses. And looking back at some of those images, I realized like we have come a long way, not necessarily in the right direction. I feel like it's kind of a lateral move where you have women getting liposuction in their waist while they're getting ass implants to look like Kim Kardashian. Right. I think, I think it's like, a, it's like lateral with a, like a little move up. Cause it's like in the nineties, it was like, only these women are valid because they're sex objects. And now it's like, well, any woman can be a sex object. And we're like, <laughs> okay, we're so close. Just but but like think about it just for like 10 seconds longer, please. The problem is when self-worth gets wrapped up with being a, se- a sex object, which exactly. every woman experiences that. Exactly. Um, okay, so from Song Facts, the video was directed by Adam Bernstein. Great. Who also did Hey Ladies for Beastie Boys and Love Shack for the B-52s. Just a real, real diversified <laughs> portfolio. Songfax says, if you wanted a video filled with irreverent fun around this time, Bernstein was your man. Sure. According to Bernstein, casting the video was one of the strangest experiences of his professional life. Since it was ah. the butts they were interested in, he and his crew took photos of the applicants fundamentals which they sent to sir mixalot for evaluation god damn it i mean of course but also like then why did he pick those Uh, i don't know i wonder if it i wonder if it is this push pull of like the, the beauty standard is ultra skinny and so we need people with like that are curvier but not all the way curvy because people won't like it'll scramble people's brains if we have like actual big butts i don't know imagine if they actually were big Imagine. I, I'm imagining right now. We'll be right back. <laughs> um, so the video was briefly banned by MTV. It was like they could only play it after nine. This is a quote from Song Pact. Years later, many rap videos featured dancers with big, healthy butts. The dancers in modern hip-hop videos usually have bigger rumps than those in Baby Got Back, since in 1992, it was a lot harder to find models with a juicy bubble. Yeah. I, honestly, I just remembered back that ass up mm-hmm. right it's like the second coming of this and i remember that Girl, it was like good won't you back that ass yeah up? and I'm and it and it's a lot of real looking women dancing and shaking their asses and like they look like real women with real asses as opposed to this which is like incrementally better than kate moss or something right incrementals incrementals in the October 2016, October 28th, 2016 edition of Tacoma Weekly, okay. Mix reiterated the seriousness of the song. It was a lot more Why? serious. Why serious? <laughs> it was a lot more serious than a lot of people thought it was. The song is really talking about the lack of acceptance by Hollywood of the African-American body. I'm talking Serena Williams kind of curbs. Back in that era, what they did with women of color was they either played prostitutes or maids. 
They were usually they were usually seriously overweight. They picked the worst example they could find cosmetically and they'd throw that in front of us. I wanted to talk about it. And that's what Baby Got Back is really about. I mean, I kind of get it. Like, I, I, yeah. I agree with him in principle. There's like this weird like I, so sometimes with when we do our show, I worry that people are like, well, why can't we just have fun? And like <laughs> this song is is like at, on one hand, like meant to be fun and silly and cheeky. But like the more he says, like, no, this is a serious issue that I'm trying to deal with with my art. Like, OK, great. Then it then it then now it's serious and we have to talk about how we have to talk about why it's serious right (laughs) we have to talk we have to to do some real introspection so it's it's weird to me that he keeps doubling down on the fact that this is his like magnum opus (laughs) well last year he told the american songwriter it was almost a movement for a while shut up became the norm if I were to write that song now, assuming what happened then would have taken place just the same, women know men love asses now. Again, this is like your thinking is so fucked up, but okay, back to mix. He's Most the hits are Columbus lucky. Of asses. <laughs> right. Most hits are lucky. I wrote a song that was supposed to be for certain people and it ended up being for everybody. You have to remember when you saw African-American women on TV, other than Claire Huxtable, they were either overweight maids on syrup bottles or she was a prostitute. That was it. I wanted to write a song. I did it consciously where I was talking about this woman. I wanted to hit it, but I couldn't. I wanted oh, to make for forbidden love. I wanted to make her that queen. Uh, I, I really I, wasn't getting the idea that he couldn't hit it. I, 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 I get the like idea. I mean, I don't get it from the song, but like, okay, I understand his aim and yet the like the outcome, even though it's like was massively popular and I think it did do something for like body acceptance and having fun and whatever else. Like I don't see the whole fucking I don't know. I, I think that the com- comparison is actually really apt with Christopher Columbus because he like showed up at big ass mountain and was like, yep, I discovered this. You all right. like this now because of me. Exactly. It's a very good, uh, it's a very interesting comparison. Yeah, except for with the raping and murder. Right. Genocide. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Purveyor of genocide, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Oh, God. No, we take that back. Uh, you, can take, you can take that comment out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> Don't tempt me with a good time. So when I first told you I wanted to do this song, I told you I wanted to look into the evolution of Becky's to today's Karen. Yeah, okay. What? What's on your mind? We've just been having so much fun up until now. <laughs> I'm having fun. Yeah, but I'm worried that the, 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 talking about Karens is just like, well, no more fun any anytime. People love you, talking about Karens. Come on. When Yeah, that's true. When you said that, so I never had made the connection, even though I knew that there was like a Becky to Karen pipeline when the term Karen was coined a few years ago, I didn't quite realize, not that I think that this is the piece of media that started it, but I didn't quite realize how the two women at the beginning of this song are like your textbook Becky slash Karen being ultra racist and kind of like white centric they absolutely are and you might be surprised by what you're about to find out okay let's do it um all right so 
Urban Dictionary's top result for Karen says <laughs> middle-aged woman, typically yeah. blonde, yeah. makes solutions to others' problems and inconvenience to her, although she isn't even remotely affected. Karen sues the local city council after they've installed a new stop sign that hides the sun from her window for two minutes a day. The sign was installed after a schoolboy on his bicycle was hit by a speeding driver and died. Yep. Great. Karen refuses to wear a face mask for her five-minute trip to the supermarket during a pandemic. She harasses the workers, asks to see the manager, and threatens to sue. Karen complains that her favorite parking spot was replaced by a ramp for wheelchairs. <laughs> she parks her car in the old spot anyway and shoots a vlog about it. I'm, w- I'm waiting for you to tell me that these are all real examples. <laughs> I mean, they probably are, they but probably are. This, this is just Urban Dictionary. What yeah. the definition didn't explicitly say is that Karen is dripping in white privilege and aggressively so. Yeah, so Karen doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're white but you become a karen by embracing whatever privilege you have usually white privilege sure if you're wielding your privilege yeah yeah aggressively in a racist way i mean you're a karen right so i found an npr interview called what's in a name the history of karens becky's and miss ann's love that white people are just so much better at wielding their privilege in a violent way Um, so this is a quote from that interview. Sir Mix-a-Lot's baby got back the 90s Son hit. of a bitch. <laughs> immortalized Becky and made her popular shorthand for a certain kind of culturally oblivious white girl. Mm. But before there was Karen or Becky, there was Miss Anne, who might go back as far as the antebellum South and who for sure was around in the Jim Crow era. Oh, I hate this. According to Meredith Clark, assistant professor in the Department of Media Studies at the University of Virginia, Miss Anne is an intergroup reference that's lasted generations. And over time, there's been a certain consistency from Miss Anne to Becky to Karen. Can you talk about what an intergroup reference is? Yes. Let's, that let's means... say like the listeners or maybe like your co-host doesn't really know what that means. Sure. Intergroup just means it's it's like... A group of people, an inner circle. Mm. Let's think of it like an inner circle. So, like, um, to put a micro example, it's like Katie Heron and her friends calling the plastics the plastics. Yeah, so no one from outside of that group would refer to Regina George and her friends as the plastics. But, but everyone I, in the group knows what exactly what plastic is. And, and this coded language, I think, we're going to find probably in your story when the intergroup language becomes everyone's language it gets like diluted in a significant way and the meaning gets lost just like any other kind of cultural appropriation right there's a little bit of power slip slippage yeah um okay so yeah so over time there's been a certain consistency from miss Anne to becky to karen uh aviv where else do we know becky from i remember becky from well full house aunt becky but um the 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 kind of pejorative becky slur i don't want to say slur the the becky insult i remember the woman who called the cops on the black people having a barbecue they called her barbecue becky barbecue becky or backyard becky Absolutely. But I'm talking about something a little bit more recent and a little more related to music. Oh, Becky with the good hair. 
Yes. I don't know the I don't know the context <laughs> of that. I just know Becky. Wait, Becky with the good hair is who Jay Z cheated on Beyonce with. Mm, kind of no debatable debatable. Right, After Beyonce's right. Lemonade came out in 2016, the whole internet was trying to figure out who Becky with the good hair was from the story Sorry and whether or not Jay-Z was cheating on Bay with her. Okay, so so this is... I <laughs> Right, okay, great. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> okay, following. So from Refinery29, according to Diana Gordon, the songwriter behind Sorry, we've been reading way too deeply into it. No shit. <laughs> Becky isn't an actual person in Beyonce's life. I laughed, like, this is so silly, she told Entertainment Weekly. Where are we living? I was like, what day and age from that lyric do you get all of this information? Is it really telling you all that much? Accusing people? The lyric did mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, even if unintentionally. The notion of good hair brought awareness to racist beauty standards, and the slang term Becky started a discussion about the type of person it describes. A clueless white woman, unaware of her privilege. Gordon makes all the attention the lyric got sound like an accident, but Beyonce knows what she's doing, and all the speculation about Becky certainly didn't hurt the album's popularity. Becky may not be a specific person, but she is a powerful symbol who has started more conversations than one individual could. Yeah. I blame Lost. Why do you blame Lost? <laughs> I blame Lost for the, the idea that like of like literalism, that like everything needs um needs like a specific tangible meaning to things. Right? I'm not actually blaming Lost directly, but like the the idea that there has to be one Becky and the internet gets to sleuth with clues that they have uncovered within the fabric of the lyrics of the song and coded messages. I wondered how we were going to get back to Taylor Swift, and now I know. Wrong, but keep going. Okay, there's but, just so many ways to get back to Taylor. Of course, but yeah. So, the, but but this is the thing, right? Is like Taylor Swift fans do this too, where they like mine every comma and period and look for examples of or look for like evidence of of who she's talking about when and why she's secretly gay or secretly a satanist or secretly a nazi or secretly a whatever sure but you don't use a name like becky that's a loaded name oh yeah 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 i mean becky implies a white person for sure so miriam webster's has an entry of words we're watching the fuck Becky. is this episode? Words Webster's we're watching. Dictionary Becky. defines but as Well, they have this they have this um vertical called Words We're Watching, and it's like when a word is close to getting an entry, but not yet. And one of them is Becky. And it says Becky, when a name becomes an epithet. Now I will read from this entry now. <laughs> C- cue the sunscreen song. Now. On a sunny California Sunday in late April twenty eighteen. A white woman in Oakland called police because a few black people gathered at Lake Merritt for a barbecue. They were using a charcoal grill in an area designated for non-charcoal grills. In the days following the viral YouTube video of the woman's two-hour wait for a police response, she came to be known as Barbecue Becky. Her given name is not Becky, or anything related to Becky. The nickname was not, however, solely alliterative. These days, Becky is increasingly functioning as an epithet and being used especially to refer to a white woman who is ignorant of both her privilege and her prejudice. You can probably thank Sir Mix-a-Lot. God damn it. <laughs> Historically and typically, when names have taken on generic use in the English language, 
it's been because of an especially memorable fictional character. Pollyanna is a term for a relentlessly optimistic person hellbent on finding silver linings and comes from the name of the eponymous heroine in Eleanor Porter's 1913 novel, Pollyanna. Don Juan, as a term for a particularly skilled seducer of women, comes from the name of a legendary Spanish nobleman featured in multiple works of literature and art over the past four centuries. Writers created these characters, and readers recognize their living, breathing counterparts in the world around them. Fun, fun addition to that, the word yes. paparazzi. Tell me more. Uh, paparazzi. So paparazzi comes from a Fellini movie. I think it Oh, Yeah. It's from La Dolce Vita. So uh, in La Dolce Vita, the main character's name is Paparazzo, and he um, is a photographer. Aha! And so multiple paparazzos in Italian is paparazzi, played by Walter Santesso. And when was that? How long have we had this word? Okay. Is Is when that movie came out. And it got adopted into popular vernacular. Yeah. So back to... Oh, it is Fellini. La Dolce Vita is Fellini. I said Fellini, right? You did. I think you did. It's Fellini. I thought it was eight and a half. It's La Dolce Vita. All right. Back to Webster's. There are, of course, literary Beckys. William Makepeace Thackeray's 1848 novel Vanity Fair. (laughs) What's the novel called? Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair? (laughs) How do I say the name? Vanity Fair. That's what I said. You said Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. You said Vanity Fair like people say Danity Kane. We should do a Danity Kane song. How do you say Delta Spirit? I say Delta Spirit. Right. You're wrong. And I say Vanity Fair. And its subsequent Hollywood versions gave us Becky Sharp. (laughs) I say Renaissance Fair. (laughs) This is our last episode. (laughs) Why? Just because we're just going to say weird words to each other for the rest of the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yes, Vanity Fair and it's gave us Becky Sharp, a cunning social climber of questionable morals. And Mark Twain gave us the far more innocent Becky Thatcher, object of Tom Sawyer's affections. Both are white. The modern epithet may have a bit of Becky Sharp in it, but Damon Young of The Root is among those who trace the probable origin of the modern Becky to the opening lines of Sir Mix-a-Lot's video for the 1992 song Baby Got Back, which begins with one white woman's injunction to her white friend Becky to cast an eye on a Calipigian woman. Calipigian. <laughs> Shut up, Miriam Webster. <laughs> I know. Jesus. But actually, he wrote Cosmopigeon as one of Mixalot. I don't know if you saw that. Like in the does, does back. He? Yeah, it's like the magazine. He's like, Cosmo says you're fat. And it's like Cosmopigeon. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, where was I? Calipigeon. Mm, uh-huh. On a Calipigeon woman's posterior. Oh, my God, Becky. Look at her butt. The posterior upon which Becky is directed to gaze belongs to a black woman. The gazing pair do not gaze admiringly, though Sir Mixalot certainly does. In the time between Sir Mixalot's Becky and Barbecue Becky, Becky was mostly simply a nickname for Rebecca, anecdotally used primarily of white girls and women. But that's been changing. The users of Urban Dictionary have submitted a number of entries for Becky, with the top-rated ones asserting the words referent, referent as either in our simplified phrasing, 
a materialistic white girl of annoying and predictable tastes, or, in our intentionally vague paraphrasing, a particular sexual act as performed by an enthusiastic white woman. Oh, like Becky gives Necky. Is that head? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The latter of these is tied to a song by the rapper Plies and dates to 2009. The former appears to be a product of the second half of the second decade of the century and is of obscure origin. Beyonce's 2016 album Lemonade employs the term too with the lines, he only want me when I'm not there, he better call Becky with the good hair. After much initial fervored speculation about just who this Becky is or was, common pop wisdom now asserts that Becky is a stand-in for any woman, especially a white woman, a man sees on the side. Oh, so Becky is your side chick. Now she's a side chick, thanks mm. to Bay. Mm, interesting. In Damon Young's article, Where Becky Comes From and Why It's Not Racist Explained, which he wrote for The Root, he writes, it's actually easier for me to say whether a white woman would be considered a Becky than it is to explain the criteria. Hillary Clinton, not a Becky. Natalie Portman, not really a Becky. Taylor Swift, the Beckiest. Why? <laughs> Why, David Young? Iggy Azalea, Darth Becky. Oh, yeah. I, yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> There are separate theories on its etymology, but the one that makes the most sense is that it stems from the first lines of Baby Got Back. So, okay. Iggy Azalea famously said that using the word Becky is racist in a 2016 Twitter feud. Shut (laughs) up. Yeah. Iggy Azalea. Uh, Michael Harriet also wrote about Becky for The Root. His article, The Five Types of Becky, defines the term as a white woman who uses her privilege as a weapon, a ladder, or an excuse. Mm Mm-hmm. So and what does Becky's graduate into Karen's? They do. I think I think it has like think. an age thing too. Karen is older than Becky. Older than yeah. Becky, sure. And what do we know about Miss Anne? What do we know about Miss Anne? Sounds like something a racist thing would. Sounds like Miss <laughs> Anne is a racist. Yeah, from what I can tell, Miss Anne is the OG Karen, and she's been harassing black people since the antebellum era. In a Root article called Miss Anne's Revenge from award-winning black writer Amy Alexander, Alexander writes, What drives Miss Anne? I'm glad you asked. In black America, the shorthand for women who harbor virulent fear and resentment of black people, however covertly, is expressed here in the 21st century, are known as Miss Anne. It's our not-so-secret vernacular description of white women who were the wives, sisters, daughters, and mothers of slave owners in the Deep South. The figure and her sometimes sly, always pernicious way of expressing her fear and resentment of blacks is a recurring theme in black American literature because Miss Anne was with us hundreds of years before Barack Obama was born to a white woman from Kansas. Her sense of entitlement blends with the incipient curiosity about blacks in general and about black men in particular and suggests in all probability an attraction that she cannot readily articulate. The resulting defining character trait of Miss Anne is the unacknowledged passion that seemingly drives the anger she will inevitably express. Oh, interesting. So Miss Anne is like someone who secretly wants to be with a black person, but can't or like has like this obscure curiosity and like yeah this so like there's a hatred of it so like this is like really fucked up but like the woman who led to the lynching of emmett till because emmett till like whistled at her would be mm-hmm. like a miss Anne. Mm-hmm. great i love i love that we have 
names and gradations of the way that white women specifically are just like horrible to black people. Love that. Love that we like have like an etymo- entomology of it in our country. Nothing sure wrong with do. us aren't, at all. Aren't you glad we're talking about yeah, it? Yeah, nothing wrong with us at all as a society. We're <laughs> being being <laughs> so bad to black people in such varied ways that we have like trading cards. <laughs> trading cards. Oh my goodness. I got a I got um, a <laughs> I got a Karen rookie card. <laughs> I got a hair in my new haircut card. Oh, it's like a board game, right? Oh, I got, can I speak to your manager? <laughs> back to, back to go. We should make that game. Well, and give all of the proceeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, how would we, it would be like a Monopoly game, but it's just like a minefield of Karens and Beckys and Miss Anne. Miss Anne is like the the final boss, I guess. The final boss. It's a video game. Oh, fuck. Um, to quote Meredith Clark, who is the assistant professor in the Department of Media Studies at the University of Virginia, the thing that makes Miss Anne Miss Anne is that she recognizes her privilege and she uses it almost as a cudgel or weapon to keep certain folks in their place, to keep black people in particular in their quote unquote place. I just pictured Kathy Bates when you were talking. I'm sure Kathy Bates is a lovely person, but if you want to think of who miss ann is just think of like kathy bates in misery or something oh god misery i fucking okay, love that I just movie want, i just want you to click on that link that i just sent you. yeah amy cooper i'm being threatened by a man into the ramble please send the cops immediately well, this woman here who called the cops on a black man in Central Park is now out of a job. Good. The investment firm Amy Cooper worked for Good. fired her and said the company does not tolerate racism of any kind. But Amy now firing back saying she is not a racist. Yes, you are. Now, cell phone video shows Amy calling the cops on Christian Cooper, also telling cops saying an African-American man was threatening her. No, he wasn't. Cooper had asked her to follow park rules and keep her dog on a leash. Look what she's doing she to her decided dog. to, you know, make it racial. And at that point, uh, running through my head was, well, I can be racially intimidated and, and back off, or I can keep doing what I'm doing and just record what's happening. And that's what I did. Now, when police arrived, both Amy and Christian were not at the park. Amy has since apologized, saying she reacted emotionally and made false assumptions about Christian's intentions. I was, I was all hopped up on Quaaludes and... Okay, there's like a lot of things. So, like, this is unbelievably the perfect example of the, the like, cruel comedic irony of racism, right? So... To set the scene, if you've never seen this video before, it's a cell phone video of a woman like like strangling her dog by the collar because she doesn't want to put him on a leash, even though the dog needs to be on a leash in the park. And this guy has asked her politely to do so. And she's like, he, there's a black man threatening me. So a couple things. This black man is, forgive me, the nerdiest looking motherfucker I've ever seen in my entire life. And so there is this defense that like let's say my aunt would make of like it's not the the we're scared of black people it's that the way they're dressed and they look like they're thugs and they look like they're in a gang this guy was in he was like birding he was wearing binoculars and a and a plaid shirt and like high water pants like like there's nothing to be scared of this man except for his skin color you know 
And the other most the most cruelly ironic thing about this is they have the same last name. Sure. Uh, like how much more obvious do you need to get in terms of like the poetry of like we are we're not so different you and i that these two people have the same last name and one fucking asshole is like this black man is assaulting me right so she falsely reported that he was threatening her dog and she told a 911 dispatcher that he tried to assault her um the viral the video of her went viral and it's up to you aviv if you want to like play a longer clip of her Mm. but her her video of her went viral and she became known as the central park karen and as the clip that we just heard, um, she got fired by her employer and her dog was temporarily taken away from her to oh, a shelter. Yeah, I remember that. But unfortunately, it was returned to her care. Well, she probably cares for her dog better than she cares for her fellow human being. I mean, sure, Maybe. she was like strangling her dog. That's true. On July 26, 2020, the Manhattan District Attorney announced that Amy Cooper was charged with filing a false police report, which is a misdemeanor, with a penalty of up to one year in jail. She was arraigned on October 14th, and the charges against her were dropped in February 2020 after she completed a five-session racial equity course. Oh, good. And and for a moment there, I thought that justice would be served. Right. I don't know if she's silly, silly a year in jail, but she should be fine. She should. I don't know. That's like fucking. That's a lot. And at least she lost her job. Yeah. And you and we all know. So like this is the this is the uh, the third thing is like we all know what happens when police have an interaction with black people in this country right so calling that's the, why the threat was so fucked up yeah so so it's not like sh- she's calling the police on like a bunch of loud she's teenagers. threatening his life she's she's threatening his life and and whether or not she'll admit it she fucking knows that she fucking knew it so she said, I'm not a racist. I didn't mean to harm that man in any way. That's a lie. And then in true Karen fashion, in May 2021, she sued her employer, Franklin Templeton Investments, for discrimination. Mm. According to NPR, her lawsuit claimed that her employer discriminated against her because of her race and gender. What? Yeah. Amy the, Cooper's lawsuit. The fuck this does is- that mean? <laughs> I'm quoting NPR now. Amy Cooper's lawsuit states that she did not call the police because she was racist, but because she was alone in the park and frightened to death after being selected as the next target of Christian Cooper, an overzealous birdwatcher engaged in Central Park's ongoing feud between birdwatchers and dog owners. What the fuck, Lindsay? Uh Uh-huh. That was a quote. The because she was alone in the park and frightened to death, all the way up to bird watchers and dog owners, was a quote from her lawsuit. That was quoted from the lawsuit. Oh my god! So she is seeking back pay, or she was seeking back pay, or maybe she still is. Um, I could not find anything more recent than August. So she is seeking back pay and bonus, loss of unvested funds, and other benefits. Front pay of reinstatements, emotional distress damages, attorney fees and costs, and interest and punitive damages in amount to be determined at trial. So in August, Franklin Templeton moved to dismiss the lawsuit, and I haven't seen any, I can't find anything newer than the fact that, like, the story that they're asking this lawsuit God to be dismissed. God fucking damn it. <sighs> yeah, that's Karen. Karen, Becky, Miss Ann. Do we fucking. <laughs> 
We don't, and we don't expect people to learn their lesson, especially like, you know, it's, it's interesting because the examples that you gave, one of them was a Karen, like playing ultra playing by the rules, right? Oh, it is illegal for blah, blah, blah to do this because it benefits me. Right. Versus Becky. That was barbecue back. Right. Versus this Becky or this Karen who the rules inconvenience her. And when someone sure. asks her to follow the rules, so you know she wields her privilege exactly I'm as a weapon. To, I'm trying to dismantle the like the like naysayers who are like, well, it's not because of this; it's because we're just trying to get people to follow the rules. No, you're fucking not. You are you are wielded. You are upset that someone who is of a quote unquote lower race than you had the gall to talk to you like that. And to ask you to inconvenience yourself in some way. And so you are wielding your, your violent privilege against them. You're, yeah. I can't. So do we want to graduate and go back to talking about music? Or do you want to, do you have anything else to add? I'll, I will yell about this for fucking ever. But we can graduate. <laughs> All right. So I thought that we would try and end on a little bit more happier note. And Why? we can talk about. Why even bother, Lindsay? <laughs> Um, the the impact that this this song has had on popular songs in the past thirty years. Right, I love that. Um, according to WhoSample.com, another great source, Baby Got Back was sampled in at least forty songs. Shit. Some of them seem to be just like lines that were taken. And Mix told the American songwriter, "So many people steal lines from Baby Got Back and make a lot of money off of it." So. Of these 40, I think some of them were just kind of like they sampled the lines, but it wasn't like a true music sample. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you name any, though? Can you think of any songs? Not really, actually. But 40 is a lot. 40 is more than one song per year. Yeah, 40 is a lot. So we have um, Anaconda by Nicki Minaj, which will be in our beam. Sure. I have a little beam about that. So check out our beams channel. And then... um, just lose it by eminem the mm. motto by drake mm. but the song that we're gonna go out on today Ooh. is from little dicky and the song i is got called... a little dick and i cannot <laughs> ex-boyfriend do you know little dicky uh i do i know i know his show i haven't watched the show but I, i'm aware of his show and um think he's dave. a good, good dave it's called dave yeah, yeah i think he's from the songs i've heard of his i think he's a really good rapper all right. Well, you give that a click, and we'll three, two, Did one. Did you just go say in. my ex boyfriend when I said I got a little dick and I cannot lie? <laughs> That's the name of the song. Ex-boyfriend. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> I thought you were like my ex boyfriend and a little dick. <laughs> Not no. Well, okay. <laughs> Okay. And I'm feeling pissed, so I go and take a piss, Miss Dream. I look left and guess who it is. And I had to see, and I was mad to scream. And I got on my dippy dose and took a little pee. Oh my God, Becky, look at that cock. And I'm usually be the jealous type, but as I'm. So, where can people find us on the internet? Oh, you can find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Twitter and Instagram. And let us know how you feel about Baby Got Back and this giant dick that little dicky is looking at right now <laughs> um, and for longer and weirder stuff shoot us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com and check out our beams on beams beams is an app you can download it we have a micro podcast there every single day of the week of the business week of the business week and you know what 
We can't promise that it's going to be live by the time the show comes out. So if it's not, check back Watch later. this space. <laughs> Watch For this space. beams. All right. What else should people do? Like us, subscribe, tell your friends about us. Mm-hmm. Rate and review wherever your podcasts. Tell your friends. And tune in next week when we do this all over again with a, another song. I don't know what I'm what we're going to do yet, but I'll figure it out. Great. Great. For now, this is I, us. Saying. I do like big butts. They're great. And I have one. The end. Bye. I mean, the physics of his dick just don't make any sense. And I think it's for the best if this comes to an end. Because the sex with him must have been the best. And I would say, let's just be friends. But I think I would just think about his dick all the time. So goodbye. Then she told me, Diggy, I don't really know what to say. Because I dated this dude in the second grade. So I don't know about his dick. Now let's go home and get you laid. And then I took her to my crib. And you know that we barely slept. And I gave her an all like I was selling crack. And when I came, I pulled out and nodded all over her left eye. Oh, damn.